If you have a Bible, I'm going to read from the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John chapter 20, uh, and we'll start there. Father, in the name of Jesus, how grateful we are for your presence here today. Thank you that, Jesus, you are alive and that you live forevermore, that you hold the keys of death and hell, and that today, if we will believe, that eternal life uh, can be granted to us. And so we ask in Jesus' name that every heart would be opened, every mind would be ready to receive that your word, O oh God, would penetrate our hearts and pierce to who we are and change us from the inside out. And we give you all the thanks. In Jesus' name, everybody says, amen. amen. John chapter 20. This is actually after Jesus Christ has resurrected. I'm going to read verses just 19 through 21. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in their midst. And saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. As we gather uh, today to celebrate... Easter. It's uh, the greatest event, obviously, in human history. We, we spend a lot of time talking about Christmas. We spend a lot of time celebrating Christmas. We spend a lot of time spending money on Christmas and buying gifts on Christmas. But we, today we celebrate what changed the world forever. We celebrate a collision between heaven and earth as the story of redemption met its culmination in the cross and the resurrection. This is not just a day in history. It is an event that shook earth and hell and heaven itself. And because of Jesus Christ, the world now has salvation, now has hope, now has the promise of eternal life. And so that is why we can say this morning, happy Easter. Now I want to ask you this morning, what does Easter mean to us? Easter comes with all kinds of traditions, whether it's egg decorating or egg hunting or Easter bunny picks or chocolate bunnies or Easter candy or family meals. How many of you have already had candy for Easter already? The boys have already eaten an airhead. They ate an airhead before breakfast. <laughs> Avery got a soccer ball. Logan got a baseball bat. The bunny was on fire today. <laughs> today we see some folks dressed in their best attire. Pinks and yellows and baby blues. Some of you are just like, ah, who cares? Today we see some people in church that we haven't seen since last Easter. No condemnation. We're glad to see you. It's a good tradition to have. I like candy. I like chocolate. I like egg hunts. I even like the Easter bunny. Although he is a frightening creature for a lot of children. I never forget, was it Logan that we took? Was it Lo- Weren't you the Easter bunny one year and it scared Logan half to death? I love all these things. I love the tradition of Easter. I love the fact that it's a, a Sunday that we, that we set aside to celebrate the re- resurrection of Jesus Christ. But we all know that there's more to Easter than this. Something much deeper. Something much more amazing. Something much more beautiful. Something that is beyond just a holiday. Just a tradition. Just nice clothes and family meals. Because the Easter bunny is, isn't real. 
Some of you are disappointed. But there's something about Easter that is real, that literally affects eternity. And that's why this morning I wanted to share a message with you. I've entitled, When Easter Becomes Real. Because yes, this is a holiday on the calendar that everybody is celebrating today. But I need to ask you, is Easter real to you? Is Easter real to you? Many times we prefer the fictional aspect of holidays than we do the real thing. It's easier sometimes for us to talk about Santa Claus and get the kids excited about the Easter Bunny than it is to discuss the real reason behind the season. We have seen how every holiday gets marketed and pushed for the world to see and new characters are created for all of us to celebrate these new holidays. But we don't just do that with fictional characters during holidays. We do this lots of times with our lives. Many times we try to find, to es- find ways to escape what is real. We find ways to try to get away from the reality that we have to face. How many of you know that expe- expectations and perceptions can be different than reality? Amen. Ever heard of Facebook? <laughs> expectations and reality. Not always the same. Some of y'all are going to post some Easter pictures today of your beautiful children. And you know as well as I do that you lost your salvation six times (laughs) in the process of trying to get that one perfect shot. Look at my beautiful, perfect, angelic children who just spewed demonic force before this picture. I got a couple of pictures that will help us realize that sometimes perception and expectation don't always match reality. Expectation versus reality. We're all gathered around the table. How many of you have ever had a cake made and you're like, man, it's going to be beautiful. It comes out looking like that. Next one. Now, this one. Does this not get you angry? How many times have you opened a hamburger and said, what in the world is this? How about another one? Now, now that, there you go, Hannah. That, that's, that's reality right there. Oh, look at my beautiful baby. Get your finger out of my nose, child. Now, I thought I would end with this one. This is our expectation, all of our friends, and this is our reality. Sometimes expectations don't match our realities. Reality, in all honesty, can come with a lot of pressure. It can come with a lot of heartache. It can come with a lot of things and a lot of people who just get on our nerves. How many of you can testify that reality gets on your nerves sometimes? So we find ways to escape. We find ways to escape our reality. We escape into music. We escape into reading books. We escape into playing video games or hobbies. We even escape taking naps. How many of you have ever felt like, I have so much to do today, I think I'll take a nap? (laughs) That ever happened to you? I have got so much going on, I don't know where to start, so I'll take a nap. Naps are a way to escape from reality. The only problem is is when you have loud realities running through your home, they interrupt your escaping naps. 
Unfortunately, there are some people in our world that will even turn to things worse like drugs or alcohol to hide away from the reality that they face. They don't want to face the pain. They don't want to face the background. They don't want to face their history. They don't want to come to terms with who they are and where they are and how they got here. And so we retreat into ways that will cover, medicate our pain, medicate our hurt. But no matter what we do to try escape, no matter what we do to try to escape reality, eventually what is real is what we must face. What is real is what we must deal with. We can't hide away in fantasy world forever. We can't hide away in books or video games or music or hobbies. We can't sleep our entire life away, though some of us are trying to. We have to eventually face reality. In this passage of scripture, the disciples had entered a reality that they did not want to face. They had spent over three years with Jesus, believing that he was the Messiah, believing that he was the king of the Jews, believing he was the one that had came to bring hope and healing, only to watch him not only be humiliated, but to be crucified on the cross. The one that they thought would be king had seemingly been defeated. And now they are hiding from this reality. Maybe still trying to deny that it had even happened, but they had been there. They saw the blood. They saw the results of his brutal beating. They saw the crown of thorns, the cross dragged through the streets and raised up on the hill. They heard him cry, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? They saw him draw his last breath as he prayed to the Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. They saw the spear in his side. They saw his body being taken down, placed in a tomb, and a stone rolled in front of it. They saw their hope die. This was not fictional. This was not just a nightmare. This was real. And their hearts were shattered. And this morning I want to ask you, has this ever been your reality? Is this your reality now? Have you ever had your world turned upside down and inside out? Have you ever watched as things have fallen apart all around you? Have you ever hurt? Have you ever faced heartache? Have you ever been abandoned? Have you ever felt alone? Has your heart ever been shattered? Have you been there? Are you facing it right now? The reality of the resurrection was for these broken disciples. And the reality of the resurrection is for you. I want you to know here this morning that the resurrection is for you. A consistent theme in chapters 20 and 21 is the word appearance. At the beginning of the chapter, he appears to Mary Magdalene. Later, he, in this chapter, he, appear, he appears personally to Thomas. In chapter 21, Jesus again appears to his disciples out on the sea. At the end of chapter 21, he appears to Peter all by himself. And in this passage, Jesus appears to the disciples for the first time. He knew what they had all seen. And he knew what it had done to them. Now he appeared to them to help them see differently. The resurrection is meant to help us see differently. To see past the horror of the cross to the power of the empty tomb. 
To see past our hopeless situation we find ourselves in and see hope on the other side. To see past our own sin and failure and know that grace and salvation is available if we will only believe. No matter if you're like Peter, no matter what you've done, no matter if you're like Thomas, full of doubts, skepticism, when you see Jesus, everything changes. Church, we don't accept Christianity here this morning because it's emotionally satisfying. We don't accept Christianity here this morning simply because that's how we were raised. It's the religion we chose because of of all the smorgasbords of religion, it fit my life best. We don't choose Christianity here this morning because it makes me feel good. We choose Christianity this morning because it's true. In verse 19 and 20, as we look at this passage of Scripture, as we look at what God has done through the resurrection and through the cross, we see a lot of beautiful and grace-filled things happening in these two chapters. Jesus wanted the resurrection to be real to his followers. This was not just a fairy tale. This was real. He wanted his disciples to know that, yes, they saw horror, they saw loss, They saw brokenness. They thought that everything was gone. They thought their life would never be the same. And they didn't know that their life was going to be resurrected brand new because of the reality of this empty tomb. So just looking at these in this passage of Scripture, first of all, it tells us it was the first day of the week. I want every one of you to know that the resurrection makes this a new beginning. There is always a new beginning in Jesus. There is always something brand new. We gather every Sunday in this sanctuary, in this building, to celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ has resurrected. We have church on Sunday because he started a new thing. And anyone here who will believe, who will surrender their lives to Jesus Christ, can experience a new beginning. Old things can pass away. Behold, all things can become new. Because of the resurrected Savior, you can know new life, new hope, new beginnings. Listen, all of us have messed up. All of us have made mistakes. All of us can look back over our life and point to regrets that we have. Things that we wish we would have done. Things that we wish we wouldn't have done. And we stand amazed, wondering, why can't I fix it? It was fixed by the cross. It was fixed by the resurrection. Today, you can have new beginnings in Jesus Christ. It was the first day of the week. Let me challenge you this morning to make Jesus the first. The first thing. The first purpose. The first idea. The first priority in your life. Another thing that we see in this passage of Scripture is that Jesus appeared in the evening. And I love that. Jesus appeared in the evening. The day had already happened. Jesus had already been resurrected. He had already been alive for almost 12 hours. And he appeared to the disciples in the evening. I am so grateful that Jesus shows up when it's dark. Jesus shows up when it's dark. Remember the Christmas story. What do we sing about? Oh, holy night. He was born in darkness and he appeared to the disciples in darkness. 
It doesn't matter how dark it gets. It doesn't matter how dark your life feels. It doesn't matter how dark your heart may may seem to be. Jesus will appear when you need him the most. He is the light of the world. Even in the darkness of sin, his grace will find us if if we will only believe. He will be real in the darkness. I don't know where you find yourself today or what you may be going through. Your life may feel dark and your life may be filled with pain and hurt, but Jesus will come to where you are. He is the light of the world. He will find you in your darkness. We see in this passage of scripture that Jesus came when the door was shut, when the doors were locked. I want you to know this morning, there is no obstacle. There is no obstacle that can keep Jesus from getting to where you are. Some of you may think, I've failed too many times. I've committed too many sins. I've done too many things wrong. I've messed up one too many times. There's no way God would want me. So I'm going to lock the door. Jesus isn't afraid of locked doors. Jesus isn't afraid of shut doors. While the disciples locked the door to try to keep the world out, try to keep reality out, try to keep the fear out, try to keep the pain out, Jesus appeared. There is nothing impossible with God. They were hiding, but grace will always find you no matter where you are. I may have told you this story before, but I broke my mom and dad's clock when I was a kid. Had one of those little pendulum things that swung back and forth, and I decided to play with it, and I broke it. Mom and dad weren't home. I think they were across the alley. I broke it, so there's the pendulum just laying in the clock. I tried to fix it. I didn't. So what did I do? I ran upstairs and hid under the bed. A few minutes later, Mom and Dad came home. I laid under the bed for a few minutes, and finally it dawned on me, what's your next steps? You're going to have to go to the bathroom sooner or later. You're going to get hungry. I'm assuming they're going to wonder where you are eventually. So I came out from under the bed, sludged down the steps, knowing that my fate was sealed. I came around the corner. The pendulum was back up in the clock, swinging freely like nothing had even happened. Mom and Dad never said anything, and I said, glory to the resurrected Savior. His grace has been applied. (laughs) This is our natural response to when we fail. This is our natural response when we feel like we have messed up, that we've made too many mistakes. I'm going to hide. I'm going to hide myself. Adam and Eve did this in the garden. They hid themselves. God came looking for them. And now here, the resurrected Savior came looking for the disciples. The disciples weren't looking for him. He came looking for them. Oh, I'm so grateful here this morning that in my hiding, in my shame, in my failure, in my sin, in my mistakes, the Savior still comes Looking for me. This passage of scripture says that he appeared when they were afraid. How we need to grip this reality here this morning. Fear 
is real. Man, we have lived through a pandemic, still in this pandemic. We've lived through the fear of how this may affect us moving forward for the rest of our lives. People have not only been impacted physically, but they have been impacted so, uh, socially, psychologically, and emotionally. We have been affected in ways that has literally planted fear in our lives. All of a sudden, now, we're standing in line looking at people going, Why are you so close to me? If someone sneezes, everyone all of a sudden dives under tables. We live in an era of fear. The news doesn't make it any easier. How many of you know that every single election is the end of the world? Every one of them. The world has ended every four years. Here we still stand. We live in fear. And I'm just so grateful that Jesus comes to my hopelessness. He comes to the realness of my fear. The resurrection was the reality that would turn their fear to faith. Jesus had conquered the grave. The enemy has been defeated. And this morning, if we will place our trust in him, we have nothing and no one to fear, even death or the devil himself. We have nothing to fear because Jesus is alive. This passage of scripture says that Jesus stood in their midst. I love this because Jesus entered this room before the disciples had it all together. Jesus went into this room before the disciples had pulled it all together. I want you to know this morning, we don't have to fix ourselves or get our act together. We don't have to fix ourselves in order to know his grace. He calls us to come just as we are. Jesus didn't wait outside the door and said, I want you to pray and I want you to fix yourself. I want you to get it together. I want you to shake off the fear. I want you to start walking right and living right and doing right. No, in the middle of their fear, in the middle of their mess, in the middle of their hiding, in the middle of their brokenness, Jesus stood in their midst. Stepped right into their midst. There is no one in here today, I need to announce, on this Easter Sunday. There's no one in here today that can fix themselves. There's nobody in this room that's going to heaven because they fixed themselves. There's, there's, there's no way in, the, in this room that can make it to Jesus or make it to the Father except through surrendering to Jesus Christ. And no matter how much courage these disciples could muster up, Jesus said, let me step in the middle of your mess. He is with us. You are not alone. And no matter what you're going through, he will be there for you. This passage of scripture says that Jesus spoke peace with one word, with one phrase, peace be unto you. The resurrection secures peace in our hearts. Peace with God because the penalty of our sin has been paid and Jesus has won. Cling to his words. Cling to his promises. 
Because they are secured by a resurrection. If God can raise Jesus from the dead, then God can fulfill his promises in your life. If God can raise Jesus from the dead, then God can answer your prayer. There is nothing impossible for God to do. The resurrection says if you will only believe, all things are possible. Cling to his word. Cling to his promises. They are secured by a resurrection. In chapter 20, Jesus, or in verse 20, I'm sorry, Jesus showed them his scars. The cross is real. His suffering was real. His pain was real. His death was real. And praise God, his resurrection is real. His scars remind us that he understands, that he feels our hurts, that he has been where we are. But the resurrection tells us that we don't have to stay there. The cross reminds us that yes, I know you've sinned. Yes, I know you've failed. Yes, I know you have scars. I know you have brokenness. I know you have pain. But the resurrection says you don't have to stay there. So what do we do? When it's the church that hurt us. Jesus was not only crucified by a Roman secular government that hated who he was. He was driven to his death by a religious establishment that didn't want him. So what do we do when it's the church that hurt us? We remember that we're not coming to church. We're coming to Jesus. I'm grateful that all of you are here this morning, and I believe that everybody should be in church. I believe you should be a part of a local congregation. I believe you should be connected and rooted someplace. I believe that's where you grow. That's how you become disciples. That's how you find out what you're called to be and what you're called to do. That's where you use your gifts. That's where you love one another. That's where you build relationships. That's where you connect. It is the command of God. We should be in church. But the cross and the resurrection is not an opportunity for you to come to church. It's an opportunity to you to come to Jesus. Jesus appeared to drive home a new reality. That this was a new beginning. That they didn't have to lock themselves away. That they didn't have to hide from the reality that they were facing. That in him they would find real life. A life worth living. And a life that was eternal. Finally. I want us to see that Jesus made the resurrection personal. The resurrection was for everyone. It's for the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But Jesus made it very real on a personal level. The first person to see the resurrected Jesus was not a king or a prince or a religious leader. It wasn't a large crowd of curious onlookers. It wasn't a large crowd of people with cameras and videos and news crews. Jesus didn't appear to the high and the lofty. He didn't call everybody together to show who he was. He appeared to Mary Magdalene, a woman. A woman who had seven demons cast out of her. A woman who had loved Jesus 
and whose heart had been broken. And Jesus spoke her name. The resurrected Savior, the greatest event in human history has happened. And he stops for Mary. She's so broken. She's she's so upset. The stones roll away. The body is gone. She presumes that Jesus is a gardener. He asks, why are you weeping? And she says, someone has taken the body of my Savior. If you know where it is, please tell me. And all he said was, Mary. I don't know why she couldn't recognize him. Maybe he was in a glorified state. Maybe she couldn't recognize him because her eyes were so full of tears. Her heart was so broken. She could not believe that that could have been him standing there. He must be the gardener. But when he said her name, Mary, everything changed. With one word, he put her heart back together. The resurrection was for the world. Jesus made sure Mary knew the resurrection was for her. Jesus appeared to Thomas. He was a doubter, a skeptic, a man who had walked with Jesus, had seen the miracles. He had heard the powerful teachings. If there was anyone that should have believed in the resurrection, it was Thomas. But he was a doubter. He was a skeptic. There's no way this could not have happened. But yet he couldn't believe unless he saw it for himself. And I want you to notice something. Jesus didn't reject him. Jesus appeared to his disciples. First, in this passage of Scripture, Thomas wasn't there. Jesus came back. He came back for Thomas. He came back for Thomas. Why come back for Thomas? Thomas didn't even believe. Thomas thinks it's all fake. Thomas is a doubter. He's a skeptic. He's a mocker. Jesus didn't reject him. He met him at his doubt and showed him the reality of the cross and the resurrection. Some of you in here this morning may be doubting the entire story. You may be doubting that this could even happen. And I understand. It is miraculous. It is beyond human comprehension what has happened. But we know here this morning that there's an empty tomb. There's a body missing. And you've got to do something with that body. He came back for a skeptic. And a doubter. It was meant for all of mankind. But Jesus made sure that Thomas knew it was for him. Jesus appeared to Peter. Peter, the loudmouth, impulsive fisherman who promised to die for Jesus. I will die for you, Christ. Only later denying that he even knew him out of fear for his own life. A man of immense shame. Probably embarrassed to even look Jesus in the eye. Surely believing that Jesus would judge him for his cowardly failure. But Jesus never mentions it. Never brings it up. How many of us in here would have said, I told you. Just when I needed you the most, you deserted me. But not one time does Jesus bring it up. All he says is, Peter, do you love me? Three times. It's not a coincidence. Three times. Do you love me? Do you love me? He never brought it up. He never points it out. Instead, he extended him unmerited favor. He extended him grace and allows Peter to get back up again. It was meant for everyone. 
But Jesus made sure that Peter knew it was for him. There are some of you in here this morning, you've heard this story all your life. And maybe you find yourself in a place of brokenness. And I want you to know here this morning, the story is for you. The resurrection is for you. In your loss, in your hurt, in your emptiness, the cross is for you. The resurrection is for you. You're not forgotten. You're not passed over. He's felt your hurt. He's carried your pain. And he's paid the price for your sin. The cross is real. The resurrection is real. And it is the price that Jesus paid for the salvation of the world. But Jesus wants you to know that it is for you. That Easter can be real in your heart. Don't hide behind locked doors today. Don't stay in your doubt. Don't drown in your shame and failure. Don't let sin keep you from seeing the resurrected Savior. Because when you see Jesus, everything changes. Let Easter become real to you this year. The message of the gospel is repent and believe. This is salvation. This is hope. I'm not asking anybody to clean their life up. You can't. The call is to repent and believe. We're not talking about today. We're talking about forever. We're talking about forever. Sin was so serious that Jesus was horrifically, brutally beaten to pay the price for our sin and then rose again on the third day to bring you life and to bring you hope. He's throwing you a lifeline today. You may be sitting there saying, Mark, you don't know where I am or where I've been or what I've done. The resurrection is for you. There's some of you in here that are facing broken lives, broken marriages. You've lost your job. You're addicted. You feel hopeless. Could Jesus do anything with me? He told Mary, it's for you, Mary. He told Thomas, the doubter, it's for you, Thomas. He told Peter, the denier, it's for you, Peter. And now he's telling you today, it's for you. If you bow your heads with me here this morning, let's just focus our attention on the reality of the cross, the reality of the resurrection. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, how grateful we are for this Easter Sunday, how grateful we are for what it represents and what it means. Jesus, we want to go beyond the holiday. We want to go beyond the traditions. We want to go beyond the things that we do on this day to commemorate this special moment. We want to go beyond that. We want to go deeper. We want to go to the reality of where we are. We want to go to the reality of what we are facing. We want to recognize that Easter is real. That Easter deals with eternity. That Easter deals with our hearts. And so I ask now, in the name of Jesus Christ, that you would speak to every heart in this room. That you would draw them by the power of your Holy Spirit. That you would draw them by your grace. That you would draw them by your goodness. That they would no longer stay locked behind doors. That they would no longer hide from reality. 
that they would no longer drown in shame. That they would no longer live on their own laurels and their own pride. I ask you in the name of Jesus that you would draw us to your cross. In Jesus' name. As you continue to focus your attention on Jesus here this morning, this is a solemn, solemn moment. We come to this place, this time in the service where you've heard singing, you've heard testimonies, you've heard the message, you know the gospel. It is simple. Man was created perfect, but they rebelled against the purpose of God and sinned through the world into chaos. That sin has separated all of mankind from God. There is no way back to Him, not by our own goodness, not by fixing ourselves, not trying to be better. The only way to the Father is through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the resurrection and the life. He that believes in Him, though He were dead, yet shall He live. We are dead, the Bible says, in our trespasses and sin. We are strangers and foreigners, outsiders to the covenants of promise. But God, who was rich in mercy, wherewith He loved us, sent His only Son. He bridged the gap between man and God. He paid the awful price for our sin. Now we can know grace instead of judgment. But know this day that this God of grace, this God of mercy, one day we will all stand before and have to give an account. What will you do with this Jesus Christ of Nazareth? What will you do with the story of the cross and the resurrection? You have heard the message. You must now do something with the truth. We're going to sing a worship song together here in just a moment. But I want to give you the opportunity to consider where you stand with God today. If you're in this room this morning and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Maybe at one point in time you had a relationship with God, but you've walked away from Him. Maybe you find yourself slipping. You know at one time it was real to you, but something happened on the way. Something happened on the road that you walked. And now this morning, you find yourself on the outside. You know if you're right with God or not. So really quickly in this room today, if you would say, Mark, that's me. I need Jesus. I need Christ to do something in my life. I am lost. I need saved. If that's you, would you just lift your hand up really quickly and say, Mark, pray for me. God bless you. Lift that hand up real quick and put it right back down. Anybody else? Thank you. I need to make things right with God. Lifting our hands doesn't do anything. We must surrender in faith. Now, Christian, follower of Jesus, some of you in here today find yourself in a dark place. You find yourself in a place where your world's been turned upside down. Your heart hurts. The resurrection is for you. If you would say here this morning, Mark, that's me. I'm in, I'm in a dark place and I need hope today. Would you just lift that hand up really quickly and say, that's me. God bless. God bless all of you. Thank you. I want to give you an opportunity to pray today. 
I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the grace of Jesus. If you lifted your hand today, I'm asking you, would you respond? He's saying your name. He's saying your name. The cross and the resurrection is for you. It's for you. He's saying your name. Would you hear him? And would you respond today? If you lifted your hand, I'm going to invite you to come to this altar. Let's make things right with God. Let's allow God to heal our hearts. And let's become who Jesus called us to become.